hey, this is cool. This is going to be a big hit. I would be like the singer at a jazz club next to the piano. That was the first time that I was like, wow, I can do it. He's so emotional and so raw and so real with how he delivers his music. 13-year-old me, rock and rolling. I came out of the session and went, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the sound. She was so real. When she'd be rapping and singing, it felt like he was kind of at the church again. Hello and welcome to What Did I Say, where Atlantic Records talks with artists about songs they made, songs they like, and songs they'd like to have made. It's an inside look into the craft of songs from the artists themselves. On today's show, we talk with Paolo Gregoletto of the band Trivium. To catch you up to speed, the band formed in 2000 and quickly built a buzz around Orlando's music community with their unique blend of progressive metal and thrash. After their 2003 independent breakout, Ember to Inferno, they signed to Roadrunner in 2004 and have been able to share stages with metal legends such as Metallica, Black Sabbath, and Iron Maiden. To date, the band has released eight studio albums and over 20 singles. Their most recent album, The Sin and the Sentence, debuted at number one on Billboard's Top Rock and Hard Rock Albums charts. We met up with Paolo backstage before a recent Trivium concert. Do you remember your first favorite song? Yes. uh, The first favorite song I had was Lump by Presidents of the United States of America. Really? Yeah. That was really, that was the big hit at that moment when I discovered music and I guess pop music at the time and so bizarre. And even actually, I went back and listened to them recently. Um, Pretty interesting, you know, how how much oddball music came out in like sort of the mid nineties and like was totally like, Hey, this is cool. This is going to be a big hit. Yeah. Uh, and it really, it, it's super catchy, but it's like very bizarre. The and, weird songs won. Yeah. I mean, I was just, it's just such a bizarre juxtaposition to like, like music now. And of course it's always changing. I'm sure if you go back 20 years from them, it's like, all right, completely different music, but it was a uh, interesting time to discover music. Yeah. Do you remember the first song you memorized? And it could be playing, could be playing too. Um, or I even, tried, like, do you, you know, you know, or? the the first song I tried to memorize was that Gangster's Paradise. That <laughs> didn't. That was. Uh, I I had the tape, the single, and I had the like the blank uh, without the vocals in the back, and uh, I couldn't do it really well. So that was the end of my attempt of trying to be a rapper. Um, Is there a video of that? <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, thankfully. Because probably if I did that now, like if I was a kid now, I would have filmed that and I would be horrified (laughs) as an adult. But um, the song I probably remember actually learning was uh, Sublime's Wrong Way, actually playing bass. That was like one of the first songs I ever learned how to play the whole way through. That's a good song to start. Yeah. And that was sort of, I think, why. Like when I played bass, you know, with my friends, that's what we were listening to, like Sublime, 311. Very bass-oriented music, and I think that's what made me like the the instrument so much. And it was with in it. front. Yeah, it was very driving melodically, and it was interesting. You could really pick it out easily with your ear. I mean, that's something that's really hard to do when you're first starting. Is like, okay, where, where is where's the, the bass? bass? And like, Sublime is like so bass-heavy. It was like, well, it's easy. It's right in front of your face. That's cool. Uh, was there a first song or album you remember buying with your own money? What was the first one? My own money. Um... Let me see. I mean, the first album I ever owned was Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. Um, 
I mean, when I started buying my own records, I mean, that's when I started really, I was deep into like metal. So probably like Sepultura, KSAD, fellow Roadrunner band uh, was one of the first. That's like one of the first off the top of my head that was like really monumental to like my playing and my writing. It was really important. And I got that at a a flea market on the side of the road in Pennsylvania. Really? Yeah. Coming home from, it was like... what is it called? Chernobyl's Grove or something. Some like small old um, like been there for a century type fair thing yeah. and uh, stop with family. Saw the record album cover. Just like, you know, the quintessential metal discovery story. Wow, the album art looked cool. Exactly. I don't know who this band is. And it was actually right around when I think maybe Roots had just come out, so it was like I discovered them on this Chaos AD record, and then I got Roots. I'm like, whoa! That probably was like, wait, they did this now? Yeah, it was when like I got Roots. It was over. Yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. Like they um, to have like you know you discover a band, and like now you think like it's you're so up to date on like what what everyone's doing. You know, when if you discover a new band like us or you discover us, you you can you know, get our back catalog instantly. It's yeah. like, then it was kind of like a struggle to search. And, yeah. And like a, an album that came out maybe two years before. You would have never was, known. Yeah. It was like, you would have never known. And you know, that might feeling, be like I miss that. Yeah. The unknown. Yeah. It's definitely the trade off for having everything is like, maybe it doesn't feel as exciting all the time. Although I do think great music will still give that yes. same feeling. And, you know, the difference between like us releasing this record and the last record and watching our fans react to it it's like it comes down to the music you know that's the most important thing yeah. by far do you is there a specific song of yours that you felt you took to the next level like when you even this could be like when you were making songs before mm-hmm. trivium like oh I, I made this song and now i think i can do this um i mean the two that really stick out to me in waves being one for the simplicity of the riff but still being heavy, mm-hmm. still being memorable, not feeling cliche, but feeling like it's just enough uh, melodically, only really two notes in the riff, but so simple, so easy to remember, and so heavy. And then Until the World Goes Cold from the last record, I think really pushed us into like a different type of world in the, the rock scene. Mm-hmm. It's like... We're a metal band. We can play melodic. We can play heavy. We feel comfortable playing anywhere in between the the spectrum of heavy and, and melody, and we like to mix those two things, and that's what makes our sound. And that just really propelled us into, like, a whole new audience, and it really re-energized our fan base quite a bit. That's great. So was there a musical influence that people would be surprised? I mean... I'm always listening to everything. Um, with Spotify, it's like you can jump on a playlist. There's really no... Um, then when that radio kicks in after an album's over and it starts playing other yeah. songs, and you're like, oh, wait, I, didn't remember, I forgot about that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing is you can just kind of like jump into things so effortlessly and there's not like a commitment to like buying a record. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always loved like funk music. Um I mean, to really, like, pin down something that's really outside of metal, I mean, probably Frank Sinatra is probably one of my favorite artists. Uh, Just a really incredible story. I read the the two-part book 
on him, Rad. the voice and the chairman, which is like, I mean, an epic, epic tale, <laughs> very long, but it was incredible and really made me appreciate the music even more. I really enjoy the backstory of an artist as they're making these incredible songs because you, you tend to find like, especially with a guy like that, it's like the 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 backstory and and the real reality behind these really either incredibly emotional songs or really happy songs is like some really like interesting things in their personal lives whether it's like going through like crazy relationships or just you know the career falling out from under your feet and having to kind of like work your way back up always makes the music more uh, special when you hear it, when you know those kind of things. Yeah, I, I love that. So, you know, some people have mentioned crooners before on this. Yeah, so I mean, not the first to. That's great. It's definitely timeless music. I mean, you think about all those guys. They're some of the first people to really um, use a full stars. voice. Yeah, and I mean, Bing Crosby's like you know the first guy with a really full sounding voice because of you know microphone technology, yeah. and it still you know it still sounds like the, I mean they're alive through their music. Definitely. Do you? Uh, is there a recent song you discovered that you had to share with friends? I mean, the recent stuff I've shared uh, was probably the new Cannibal Corpse. Uh, How come? It's just always they always deliver the heavy. You know, <laughs> they are they are like a national treasure for death metal. You know, they've they've lived past pretty much that entire scene. Definitely, they've stayed relevant. They've grown. They're still a band that kind of they can do this thing that like not many people can do and make you kind of like I don't know make you you feel acceptable uh, throwing out a song online you know called like you know fucked with a knife yeah yeah yeah, cannibal corpse cool (laughs) you know I don't know it's like weird like I don't think any band could do that but them you know and the fact that they were in Ace Ventura kind of gave them this like really right. amazing I forgot about that like cult <laughs> classic credibility um which I don't know I've just always loved that band they're just great great people too and uh the new albums of what I've heard I listened to like half of it already it's so great cool um are there things in other songs not yours that you connect with first um when you first hear a song what do you kind yeah. of connect with I mean if it's metal you know, it's going to be like the guitar riffs, maybe some of the drumming. I mean, I'm going to connect with the drumming in a metal song if it's not the usual go-to stuff. You know, if it's something special, if there's like an, some X factor, if the drummer's got something really cool going on. Because as a bass player, I'm listening you to the rhythm. Um, yeah, really, I'm just always kind of looking for like what's kind of different about this band. You know, it's easy to have a very slick production, I think you can get a couple plugins and make a demo of a metal song and sound pretty legit, you know, but what is it that's going to make it sound different? I'm always Depth. looking at, yeah, I'm listening for that other thing. Um, lyrics, vocals, of course, you know, that's going to really make you stand apart from other bands in any genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember the first time you heard one of your songs in public? Yeah, I think maybe some of the first time I really did was probably when I was in like a bar or something and someone played it on one of those jukeboxes. And uh, How was that? It's crazy, you know. It's it's weird because like you're looking around. And, Did they know you were there? Well, I think it's sometimes it's like when I was with friends, so like we knew, 
what it was, but it's like funny to see people that don't, you know, and, and then, like, seeing people like really actually hear it in real time and not know you and maybe like turn around and listen and, and maybe look at the jukebox and see what uh see what's on there, you know, and discovering it like that. That's cool. Uh, there's a quote that you'd said about by the time that you got to the producer, 99% of this was written. Um, was anything changed when you got to the studio? Yeah. That's a really I'm, good feeling. I mean, to go into the studio I think and have the thing is, is, is like 99% written in that we knew what we wanted the song to be and that we had like riffs and lyrics pretty mm-hmm. much completely done. But there is still big changes. And a lot of the stuff was like how Matt would emote the lyrics how matt would sing it maybe changing up some notes here and there but it was like for us we needed to go in knowing what the vision of the record was and needing to know this is the lyric that's being sung here and this is how we want it to be and then josh going okay you guys got to do it like this if you want to get it like there what you're what you have in mind and you know he was really in a an incredible objective ear in the studios and um, how 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 important is that? Oh, I think people totally. listening maybe don't know that kind yeah. of role because he needs to. It's hard tell to you like, straight up. It's hard to like say what a producer is because there's so many ways that a producer can work with a band. You know, you got anyone from like a Rick Rubin who's like this, like Yoda, an, or Yodi. Yeah, Yodi. like a, kind of has this like enigma, weird like guru thing, guru. and then you got guys that are really hands on. You got guys that write guys that are more engineers than that and then you know to like a casual fan you're like well i don't really know what it is it's like honestly you're just you are not only worrying about the music getting finished on time you're making sure it's good you're also playing band psychologists trying to figure out what guys are like you know what the weird quirks are how do you make all these guys work um and yeah and doing it while you're trying to make something come under budget and sound great and it's sort of like a role that, you know, a guy like Josh is so good at. He's got this really great, upbeat personality. He's about making it happen. If no one's feeling his idea, he's not bummed out. If he really feels an idea, you know, he's not afraid to, like, tell us. And we're a band that's open to people giving us good cr- criticisms, mm-hmm. good ideas. And it's sort of that kind of, like, you know, that positive attitude in the studio really just helps us make really angry sounding music for some reason <laughs> yeah it's now, it's weird it works like that and then you said you there was another quote that said learn more of the craft and the technical side mm-hmm. you're reading books and stuff what did what was kind of the stuff that you learned from that like did you did anything click or in the studio you're like oh that makes sense now or yeah yeah there's always like a eureka moment with stuff i mean the last record it was like just these little things of like putting certain types of pauses before going into a chorus or sort of using key changes to really make it subtly feel like something's changed in the song that maybe a normal non-musician would be like wow this something sounds different or feels Mm -hmm. different and so it's like learning all these really little tricks uh to songwriting that like you take with you and then you come into this record and we have all those tricks we know how to do them i mean they're not tricks like that they're you know you're cutting corners it's just like improving something it's like taking a chorus and like making it soar and doing all these different types of things to get that and then with this record it's like you know when we get alex into the room this beast on the kit you know it's like (laughs) showing him all those tricks we've learned i think this time it was kind of fun because it's like okay we're the teachers now we're gonna teach this dude like all right you're a badass drummer 
we're going to teach you how to be a badass drummer and how to write some songs that people are going to sing back to you and, and it's going to feel musical and your drums are going to make a big deal and make an important mark on this record because of these little things you're going to learn and then getting with Josh you know same thing he he's like teaching us stuff that I didn't know we didn't know like what um, like a song like Endless Night when we get to the end and that's a very simple song uh, vocally driven getting to the last chorus and you know if you'd give us just you know the the mic we would repeat the last chorus the same as we did the first two and it's like well josh had some other cool ideas like hey let's repeat the first verse under the chorus to give it this whole new like hey we're bringing this back around to tie it up and make it even bigger and it was like wow i've never ever thought of doing that and you know we don't do it every song we didn't do it on every song on this record but, but i was one it's gonna i was different. like yeah i was like dude that's a great idea and you know josh has also worked with other stuff he's done hip-hop he's done pop music so he's been learning stuff along the way and it's like that's the best part about music and working with so many people is that everything they've learned along the way they're passing to us coming into our style of music you know we're all about taking metal into like uncharted territory if we can and learning and learning and i am definitely not opposed to learning tricks from other styles of music or you know at the end of the day it's like you want to make music that people can remember and relate to and love and we're doing that with just a, you know gained up amps and intense drumming yeah. and screaming <laughs> do you have a um i in college i did a breakdown of the year show so we cataloged all the mm-hmm. records that were released throughout the year and ranked the breakdowns and played them all one year i think cave in one or um but uh do you have a favorite breakdown of all time man mine is juggernaut by cave in or the saddest day converge there's a good one in there yeah let me see let me see that's tough (laughs) it's tough um you don't have one that's right um man like probably do like five minutes alone by pantera yes and that's probably towards the end that's like that's a good one and because it does it twice yeah that dun, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. and i mean they're really kind of like the first legit metal band where it wasn't like oh it's a crossover doing the breakdown it's like no it's pantera is just a metal band yeah and that's a breakdown right there and i mean they pretty much for at least like 10 15 years after them especially after that cd and that oh, song yeah. it's like man i'll you think about all the bands that were like influenced hardcore and metal it's like oh shit we got to have like breakdowns now you know we were definitely a, a product of listening to pantera like thinking about like breakdown parts and open chugs and yeah stuff. oh time I got to I I did a, I worked Nothing Face like 16 wow. years ago when I was first getting started and they were touring with Pantera. That's amazing. I got to go to three or four of the shows, watching them put because yeah. I didn't used to club shows, but watching them put the energy at like an arena. Yeah, and able, that's that's a that's a you learn that yeah over time totally. how your show changes mm-hmm. and what you need to do. Yeah, you learn that. I mean, we've toured with Slipknot in arenas and that must it's have been like um. It's a different type of energy, and it's like uh, you have to project your band. It has to be bigger than, larger than life, and a lot of it comes from the music, comes from the frontman, the production, if you can have it. But without the production, you got to bring something else. And we've had a couple arena tours supporting bands, and you learn a lot. Yeah, it's a different animal completely. Yeah, last one, 
I, this is, it sounds cliche, but I don't think it is. Like your musical dream, like you wake up from that, you know, that daydream or you wake up and you're, you're, you're somewhere. Is there a musical dream for you personally? I mean, every day you get to do this feels like a dream in a way. I mean, especially with this tour being sold out practically every show this first week or two. Um, I mean, you know, being able to headline our own arena shows, that would be definitely a dream. Um, and a career. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, yeah, you want to. You want to get there. You just got to figure out the songs. And there's sort of like a, a luck factor that your music that you're making is what people really need at the time. And a lot of people need it. So that's kind of what, what it would take. But, you know, we feel great where we're at to be doing this level and selling it out. It's not a bad place to be. It is the dream I had when I was like 15, 16. So... I'm all, we're on the way. We feel good, you know, and feel like we're making good music and feeling good about being in a band. You know, that's a, after this that's many a dream. years. Yeah, your consistency. Yeah, that's the thing that I think yeah. people rely on. They I mean, know we all get along. We get along, and that is such a big thing. It's huge. I mean, we are enjoying this, and there's a difference between I wouldn't want to be in an arena if it meant that we weren't getting along for whatever reason to be there. And to be able to like get along, to hang out, to laugh, to have you know good dinners at night and laugh about stuff, and then get up the next day and play a sold out show in New York, that is you know that's living the dream. Cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks to Paulo for coming on. What did I say? Find more about Trivium at Trivium.org. Our theme music is by Max Frost. Be sure and catch up on all the Atlantic Records podcasts at AtlanticPodcast.com. Thank you for listening. What's your